0: What's good, everybody? This is episode 60 of the Rabona Boys podcast. That's another milestone, you know, another 60. Milestone. I remember when Arsenal had like 66 points in January. Wow. Speaking of which, another week of great football. What can I say? I'm probably sounding a little uh, a little repetitive here about Arsenal, but I mean, I, don't, I simply don't get sick of it, man. Every week. <laughs> sounding
1: is, awful chipper these days.
0: Yeah, dude. I, oh, life's great, man. You know what? You know, it wasn't all rosy, though, because Ten Hogg made some comments this week that really irritated me. Did you hear about this? No. So Eric Ten Hogg came out in his press conference, and he was like, it's difficult for me to be consistent, basically, because he doesn't get to pick the same team every week, like Arsenal. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You think Arsenal been playing the same team every week? Or he's like, oh, the availability, everybody... You know, I don't have all my players available every week. I'm like, yo, we didn't have Zinchenko for like half the season. We hadn't have Gabriel Jesus for four months. We just lost Eddie Nketiah, Tommy Yasu. Tommy Yasu's just finished. He's out for the rest of the season now. Party was injured. party has been back. gone multiple times. Roginio's had to fill in. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe hasn't played much at all, like a couple games. Tommy Asu's disappeared again. Yeah, he just had a season-ending injury. and. Oh, um, yeah, dude. And I'm, and I'm like, what are you talking? It, it really, I was like, you don't got to make excuses, man. Because I, the one thing I want to be clear about this Arsenal season, whether we win the title or not, it's that we have overcome a lot of obstacles along the way. A lot of doubt, a lot of, oh, you don't have the depth, not like you particularly, but like the media was saying that everyone was saying that and like, um, I don't know, yeah, too. It, we, yeah, we've had, like, a, we yeah, <laughs> we we've, we've just had a great next man up mentality the whole season, and Eric Ten Hag, you sound
1: like a fucking fool, I gotta say it. Um, Got Nick Solo cursing and stuff, <laughs> when this man's just been walking on sunshine for, like, the it, last couple it's, months. It's oh, ridiculous,
0: dang. man, it's ridiculous. No,
1: no, no um, real quick, I, th- I think that's really weird. It's also kind of petty, because it's like, what the fuck does what Arsenal does have to do with you? Not only yeah. that, but what do you mean you don't Don't drag us into what it. What do you what do you mean you don't get to pick the same team every week? Whose fault is that? Are are, are you saying like what does that mean? Does, well, some is, of us that,
0: you know, some teams aren't playing their full strength 11 against Who
1: was it again? <laughs> like
0: on <laughs> in the Caribo Cup, the I don't even remember who they played like
1: but it's like but it's like what is it a dig saying that you guys only play you guys are only playing in one competition is it a dig at his owner saying oh you guys got me i think
0: it's i think it's a nothing stupid comment but i just wish he wouldn't make it because he needs to focus on what's going on over there in manchester (laughs) and we're going to keep focusing (laughs) what's going on in london speaking of london arsenal have won nine straight london derbies now that's our premier league record yeah and uh, most recently, it was against Crystal Palace. Uh, great game. All I really want to say about this game is, I, I, the discussions are over. If anyone in this world doesn't think Bukayo Saka is a world-class player, I just, I won't talk. I won't talk soccer. I won't talk football with you. That's yeah, all. No, it, you know, no, no like, ball. It's, it's so ball. undeniable at this point. This man has now. I think, 12 goals and 10 assists. And he's the only player in the Prem with 10 and 10. He's one of the youngest players with 10 and 10. Um,
1: he's only 21. He's kind of
0: 21 years old. Basically, him, Martinelli, Odegaard, you know, the same names I'm talking about every week. Incredible. Somebody I don't always praise every week, though. Ben White. And, we, and I made you watch all the Ben White highlights. Uh-huh. They cut together every little, you know, Arsenal Twitter. They're relentless. They cut together and snipped together. Every single moment, Ben White touched the ball, and thank God they did. And if any of you don't watch Ben White, please go watch Ben White. It's criminal that he is not in the England squad. It's criminal Gareth Southgate's like, oh, we could, maybe if he plays center back in for Arsenal, we'll bring him up. And then, and then Southgate has the audacity to say he's, like, blaming um, the young talent not blaming, but he's saying there's a lack of like young talent in England for like, their Garazos struggles. He gets a it, you know, you
1: you know it's like, not something you, yeah. you could just discount his entire like anything he says because he always says I oh I don't play favorites I don't play favorites. Calvin Phillips got called up to England and he doesn't even play. You know, um,
0: Tomori has Tomori got got ever gotten a cap
1: showing himself to some to a lady, but he still got called up like. Whereas Ivan Tony got dropped from the World Cup squad because he put a couple bets out, you know what I'm saying? Like it's clear that this guy has favor. Harry Maguire. Manchester United has looked great since Harry Maguire has not been starting for them, and he's getting to play for England. Granted, he's very good for England, but there's probably better center backs just based on form in the league right now. Right. I just think Gareth Southgate. At this, like, I think he's, I think he's revol- he was revolutionary for England back in like 2018, 2020, things like that, but. Okay, now you see what type of approach works with England players. Now get someone who actually like pays attention to players and things, you know.
0: It'd be a real shame if Gareth Southgate wastes away one of the most like
1: talented young crop. Of they need to get rid of him, bro. Right? And then you know what's crazy? The U.S. U.S. national team is kind of in the same boat because it's like Greg Berhalter somehow still a candidate for the national team job. Not like you know. Did you uh, hear
0: who's holding out for the job? Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. Which That'd I think cool. would be a terrible signing, by the way.
1: Arsenal legend, be, I love Thierry Henry, but I don't think I want him near the national team. It would be cool if he was a coach, not if he was the manager. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah, what happened at Montreal was he was the coach of Montreal. He actually did pretty well, but he was a little shaky. He left. Uh, I think it was for the pandemic because his family was still over in France still, and he he went home to them, and um, his backup manager Wilfred Nancy, ended up being the coach for Montreal for like three, four years. Then he just switched to Columbus Crew, which is like considered a step up. And now Columbus, I think this is the second season he's going into now, and now Columbus is looking pretty nice. So, you know, maybe maybe it's a case of getting tier, whoever Thierry Henry wants his number two to be and making them <laughs> the number one manager. Yeah. Um, I
0: had this at the end of my list because just like chronologically, I write down notes throughout the week, and this was kind of at the end of the week. Conte I,
1: th- I think I think we can I think we can officially say we may have called this like at first, <laughs> At first, I was definitely optimistic. I was like, "You if there's were very anybody, optimistic." If there's anybody who's a force of nature, force of nature who could turn around the yeah. fortune of Spurs. It'll you, be Conte. You've you always surprised me
0: with your your optimism towards Spurs, or maybe it was just towards content, yeah, not it was, Spurs. But regardless, like you were one of the guys that was like, "Oh, they had a great summer window." Well, you they know, fooled
1: me. They fooled me, just like how Liverpool fans get fooled by Liverpool half the time with transfer rumors, right? Like they fooled me because I was like. Yo, they're giving Conte money, which I've never seen them do before. they never really given a coach money before. And turns out Conte buys a lot of players and doesn't use them. He buy the team buys a youth player. He they know they should have known he doesn't use youth players. Um but it's funny, man, it's like the club it's the DNA of the club, the malaise of the club, it's ingrained. Every single thing, yo, this man, uh Conte, they lot they give up another lead to I think it was Southampton. This time, or whoever, and Conte went off. He called the players selfish. He says, uh, We can't, we, he says, you guys expect to win, but your players per- don't like to perform under pressure.
0: He said, I, When I look at this team, I don't see a team. I see 11 selfish players. Damn, yes. damning, do damning words. You know, and I know it's Italian, he's emotional. He's got to put, you know, the, he's got the room this romanticize is not enough. It
1: and, yeah. It's not enough. <laughs> but, but you, you know, you don't say that and keep your job, man. I don't know. What? How- Why? You don't know. you know what you don't say. You don't say. Yo, you're the club's owner has been at this club for 22 years and y'all ain't want shit. Yeah. You don't say that maybe. He said this is the club. Like if you guys want to fix the club, he said you guys if you, you guys claim you want to win, but no one changes anything. He's like, "Yo, you the media, y'all want to put everything on the managers, the managers, the managers." He said, "I've seen who's managed this club." Like, I've seen who has managed this club. You really want to keep blaming the managers or do you want to blame the players? It's, it's like the same issue that Chelsea had for so long. Where Even though there, there are, like, two sides of the same coin where Chelsea used to have players that were there for the longest time and they had all the power and Chelsea used to run through managers. But guess what? All those players were world-class quality. Not all, but most, Right. That Spurs, it's the opposite. Where you have managers who are coming through who are world class. Jose Mourinho, Mauricio Pochettino made his name with Spurs. He brought them to a Champions League final. I'll give him that. Antonio Conte started at least two different dynasties in in Italy. You know what I'm saying? He he brought Chelsea to to relevance.
0: Right. X brought up a really good point too on must have been Best of Enemies or something. If you listen to that show. Shout watching. out, shout
1: out, shout out the sponsors, best of enemies. Yeah, shout out the sponsors, you know,
0: shout out Don Robbie, definitely sponsors his pod. Um, but he brought up a really good point, you know, and everybody says how potch never won anything for Tottenham and blah blah blah, but he's like, Poch is the one that brought us. Into any conversation of potentially winning anything and he's like do you guys not remember like where we were before potch because it was grim it was it was the bottom of the barrel i don't even
1: remember who managed them before i couldn't tell you i couldn't even tell you most players on that team Who, who the
0: fuck? I just kind of remember Tim the, Sherwood and shit. I guess I guess uh Modric was before Poch, but like
1: that's about it. That's all I can really remember. <laughs> and like, and then <laughs> I remember Poch coming in. Gareth Bale used to play for Tottenham, yeah, a huge blank area, and then oh,
0: Poch. And then I remember like Poch coming in. I remember a huge spending window. You know, mm-hmm. Eric Lamella and all them, and Christian Erickson, and And still just no success. And it's very impressive for a team to have serial winning coaches, as has been quoted all day today, of like you were saying, Conte and then Jose Mourinho. And and to not even have a Carabao Cup, to not even have, I I can't think of, I don't know, they won like a preseason tournament? I I don't know. They got
1: Son, they got Hoiberg. Got Richarl- as much as Richarlison doesn't score for them now. He's still a very good player. They have He Kustavsky. is. He is yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As much of a dickhead as he is, uh, you know what Romero I don't get still a very good center. But like they have the pieces. You know what I don't get is Richarlison has struggled
0: this season. He hasn't hit the ground running, and but but every time he plays and every time he speaks too, is he called out. Conte pretty much like he's got that fieriness about him he wants to play he's hungry for goals it was funny as hell when he scored two offside goals and took his shirt off for the second (laughs) one and they both got called back but you can tell he has that desire to play and score and he wants to be on that field more than anything and Conte just won't
1: do it man what's funny is I think Richarlison thrives under Conte in a different team I just don't think it's a good match Spurs and Conte are not... Was, I don't think Spurs call, match with anyone. In, it, right. But and, in Italy, they call Conte the hammer. Yeah. You know, like, he, he's a force in nature. He's a very forceful personality. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not calling them, like, shrinking daisies or whatever, shrinking violets or whatever. But I don't know too many Tottenham players that I think of that, like, would give you that, that fire and, you know, like, that that blood and thunder.
0: I, uh, I was going to say, too, I don't think Spurs really match with anyone. It's looking like Harry Kane's gonna force a move out now too. That was the news today. We'll see, man. As of uh March twentieth.
1: Um We'll see. I don't, we'll see, man. I, I bet you that I bet you they keep him and pay him off of a cut of those Beyonce tickets. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. are like nine concerts they're not supposed to be having. Yeah. Um, no, I think
0: uh I think if he does end up at Manchester United, it'd be a really interesting fit. I think he's kind of a better version of Weghorst, if that's what not to, like, you know, diminish Terry Kane to anything like that. But, you know, that big physical striker that can drop in and play as a 10. and I'm distribute. You, I don't know. If that's the kind of player Eric Ten Hag
1: wants, it'd be interesting to see him end up at United. He'll be sick. So, okay, this is weird, right? Because it's Harry Kane. But he'll be sick at United. He'll be sick at City. Yeah. I think, personally, I think he would be really good at Bayern. i knew you were going to say that i'm not gonna lie and those are kind of a like thomas
0: Muller replacement
1: or even just to play alongside it maybe because yeah thomas Muller's forever have another version anyways um yeah but poach is i mean um uh, conte is out he definitely burned his bridge uh i think i'm pretty sure by the time of this recording he will have been fired excuse me sacked you know they love to say sacked over there
0: no they'll have mutually parted ways
1: Mutually, after that blow up, what is crazy, man? He, he was like, he's like, yo, you guys don't show any passion even when you're losing. This is not acceptable. They need to leave. It's not acceptable, <laughs> you know. Like, man, he was going the fuck off. Shout out to Conte for keeping it real. Uh, I'm also kind of basing like, like these Spurs fans, like their reactions. I'm actually basing like some of my like judgment on if they really like pay attention based on like their reaction to him. Are you emotional and going to react negatively to what he said because you don't like the football your team is playing or are you going to kind of st- take a step back and realize that this is what everyone from the outside looking in sees?
0: Yeah. I think they I think Spurs fans do know like the state of Tottenham and they do know there is some not i guess i don't know lack of a better word there's truth to like the the stigma that they're cursed they're never gonna win anything like they kind of feel that deep down but of course you got to fight it as a fan you got to choose to support but they're i mean you see it with x and yeah i don't know many of the those? Tottenham fans but a lot of them are fed up man a lot of them are really fed up you mentioned Bayern. Bayern just lost this weekend to future Liverpool manager Shabby Alonso
1: <laughs> <laughs> when Jurgen say Klopp loud, gets the set <laughs> 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 But,
0: uh, yeah, I, I managed to catch this game actually. And, uh, a lot of penalties. That was so, my takeaway.
1: Shout out to the Bundesliga for being probably the most exciting league. This after all season. the slander, after all the slander, they finally heard us. There's been at as least, long as
0: we've been doing this podcast, we've been slandering oh, the Bundesliga. It's,
1: it's Bayern Liga, but
0: uh, and then I kind of, I kind of jump ship. Like a couple months ago, at the perfect time. You yeah, know? You did. So I'm really yo, tactical man, about hey, it. Yo,
1: <laughs> Nick Solo's been getting validated on a lot of things he's been saying in the yeah. past few years. I don't I necessarily
0: want validation for this one. You know, give all me my I, validation for Saka. Is... But like, I just like blindly was like, I'm gonna start following the Bundesliga. Turns out, it's ha- they're having a great they're season. They're Having a crazy season. There's and been Bayern been have fallen like to second.
1: lead changes so far. The lead changed again because, as you said, Bayer Leverkusen beat uh, Bayern Munich. It wasn't a very good game. But it shows that man, Javi Alonzo has a little promise to him, man. He his his coaching journey so far. I really thought it was a little too early for him to mm-hmm. be coaching a first team after he. Oh, he was only at Real Sociedad their B team for like a couple of years, but they saw what they liked by her, and they brought him over. Uh, was there anybody that really stood stood out to you?
0: Ooh, um, in a bad way. First thing that comes to mind is that Upa Makano tackle for the second penalty. <laughs> uh
1: yeah.
0: wonder where we've heard that one before. He's but. much
1: more of a ball we can tell now, right? Like he's a ball player. He's not a he's not necessarily the defender. Like he's a good defender, but I got yeah. some I got
0: some stick for tweeting out like months ago that like that Byron back line is is fraudulent. And like that was something that we had talked about. And I was just thinking about it. I put it out there and people were getting worked up about it. But there are mistakes, man. This Byron team is not perfect. Leverkusen, yeah. like they should not be losing to Bayern Leverkusen as great as we think Shabi Alonso might be.
1: Well, I don't, um, I don't, I don't even know if he's that great, right? Because Leverkusen is in their usual spot of like eighth or something, yeah, which just might be table. worse than what where they normally are. So, yeah, okay, maybe they, not great. That wasn't the right word, but you know, the promise. But like this is incredible because this Bayern Munich loss now means that Borussia Dortmund are in the lead. Bayern are second. Union Berlin. Our third, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and never some, would have expected them to be there. By the way, right? And and there's a there's a fourth team in the in the running too. So this has been like a very interesting Bundesliga season. I think what this I think the big thing is that Bayern Munich they are a very deep team, but they're also very injury prone. And if you combine that with the fact that Julian Nagelsmann is a bit too much of a tinker man, uh, just like um, is it Reineri? Who else, who else likes to Likes to pivot and move. But, like, Pochettino and Ranieri, like, always tinkering around, always making the wrong movements and adjustments and things. Bayern look awkward sometimes under him. Like, they look dominant at times, but they look awkward at times, too. Uh, It's sad because it would be sick if they lost the league, but that would be the end of Julian Nagelsmann for that team. And then who knows, man, you know, maybe Klopp goes to Bayern and uh Chubby Alonso <laughs> goes to Liverpool or something like that. You think that. Klopp would do that? Uh I don't think he would do that. He's while too much he's of a contract. romantic, I feel like. He's to go to too Bayern. much of a romantic, but I feel like even he's smart enough like when his contract is up, he's probably gonna take a sabbatical and then he's probably gonna end up at Bayern or back at Dortmund or mm. somewhere else. I don't um, think he goes
0: the Kim K curse lives on, PSG lost, yes. but it doesn't affect their title race much at all. They're didn't still she, seven didn't points clear. Didn't
1: didn't you guys lose when she came she was, and North was wearing you all shirt and everything like that?
0: She was there Damn. when we got knocked out by uh, Sporting. The Kim so, K curse, and then which she was out I already. have to thank her for, man. I was very happy that we were out of the Europa League. I think we've already addressed it, but That's the awesome. other game that happened this weekend... Uh, and one that hopefully people around the world watched, I would I would really hope so, uh, El Clasico. Um, nice <laughs> Barcelona managed to pull one out again. Xavi Ball has won now four or five straight El Clasicos in a row. That's They've won crazy. every El Clasico in 2023, which is wild. I don't wow. understand. Like they, they can't win a damn game in so he Europa. Lost the, in he lost the first Champions one, League. right?
1: Huh? He lost his first ever Clasico and then he's been beating them ever since. I'm sure he's lost more than one though. Like, he's... Uh, that's crazy though. I mean, oh, sorry. I didn't. Sorry. We have a we have a slightly Real Madrid. Uh... There's tension in the room. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. You There's can't a see bit it, of... but you
0: could probably feel it through the mic. So a couple of things that stood out to me in this game: very chippy game, very physical game. Uh, let me just point it out now. Gavi had a really, really cheap shot. Sabios so right. had given a little cheap shot to someone else recently, so Gavi took it upon himself to just go sprinting into him and just shoulder checking while the ref's not looking. And, of course, VAR is not paying attention because that's how we do it over here. Couldn't but, have
1: happened to a better guy. Yeah. and uh, who, who said those payments stopped? Who said Barca ain't <laughs> got no money, huh? What you mean?
0: Balde, man, gets the game-winning assist to Kessier, super sub, off the bench, last minute of the game and this kid this kid's incredible man for what he is like like you said 19 he's fast he's the fastest guy on the field mm-hmm. he's smart he's so technical he's playing those like Ben white through balls I was talking yeah. your ear off about like the curved perfect weight wrap it around the, the outside yeah. back and your and Gavi or whoever's running onto it um, I thought Frankie Deyong had a pretty good game a lot of penetrating passes into the box Sergio busquets hmm I, I understand the importance of Sergio Busquets, especially like prime Sergio Busquets. But in recent times I have kind of failed to see how that he has that same impact on this Barca team. It just feels very like slow and, and like, yeah, he does the job, but I almost feel like other people, I feel like Kessier could do the job. You know, I feel like other players on that team could do the job. Um, this was, and maybe because it was all classical, this was a master class by Sergio Busquets, in my opinion. I thought he controlled the game so well. There were so many, there's at least three or four situations I can think of where like Madrid players are collapsing on him and he's just like extendo leg, like somehow hmm. maneuvering out of it and playing out of pressure switching the ball the last few games i've been watching a lot of Barca recently the last few games he's had an incredible connection with rafinha just switching the ball playing rafinha into that slotted nice. through ball space for him to run on to um yeah and those those are like the main highlights for me from the barca side and then real madrid then he's dangerous as always um but pretty quiet game from them all around it really felt like barca was kind of dominated in my opinion yep Nacho um, yeah, was, was like really... very physical, but he, it was also, you know, it's El Clasico, it's going to be physical. And so his you could feel his um, influence on that game.
1: Yeah, Real Madrid was pretty weak. Um, their backline was a bit shaky. Nacho wasn't nearly as effective because, you know, Barcelona actually have, you know, what do they call it, a spine. So they, I would don't, just love... tap, they don't just tap him and say sorry when he's glaring <laughs> down Mohamed Salah.
0: I would uh, love to know what Xavi sees that the rest of the world doesn't, man. Because, like, in Champions League, I am not betting against <laughs> Real Madrid the rest of the way. I'm picking yeah. Real Madrid in every single round. The I, rest I think, of the I think
1: him being a player and having dominated them um, even back when Real Madrid was... Was the other best? I mean, you know, Chavi played on the best team probably in history, and he played on the the only team on the on the planet at the time who could rival them, and he managed to win a lot more times than he managed to lose. So, but I can't even like
0: isolate what the differences are because it could be, you could say like, oh, they play Barca ball and they dominate possession and they kind of you know somehow play they the...
1: make Real Madrid nervous. They're the only team I've about, ever it, seen it's Real something Madrid about nerves. play tentatively. They were timid. That, that's the best way to. to Describe Real Madrid outside of Vinicius Junior and his usual power. Yeah, and Vinicius drive, is
0: bold, man. He doesn't back down. He, he's the
1: but he's sometimes he's the only one. Like even Benzema was shaky. Modric, he was ineffective. Kroos was a was a passenger. You know what I'm saying? Maybe
0: there is some truth to that meme about that <laughs> Maybe a little bit of fear about Barca because I, I, I look at, like, the Champions League games last year when they won. Like, they were games they had no business being in, and they just look completely outplayed. Yeah, that magic. And then they win. They just they just always had that extra quality.
1: Spanish, uh, not, okay, uh, the, not, not only is there the usual thing of, oh, Spanish teams always beat English teams, which Manchester United is destroying, by the way, but there's also this thing of, like, Real Madrid aren't scared of anyone in Europe except for Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Like those are the only teams. They are relaxed versus. Do they have a bad record, else. record against Bayern? They have. They're not. Uh, do they what? Does Real Madrid have a bad record against Bayern? No, no, no. no but they have. They, they, uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich is considered the European classic because they're just like so dominant within Europe, and they've met a whole bunch of times when they were like yeah. both in like ridiculous stretches of form.
0: I do. I mean, I, I would. Consider Bayern like but one Bayern, of the top five I think most overall Bayern
1: clubs in the
0: world, probably. Like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. overall They're Bayern
1: does have a winning record against Real Madrid in Europe, which is nuts. Wow. Is if crazy. true,
0: if true. Yeah. Don't fact check us. <laughs> yeah,
1: we don't, we don't have a fact checker. <laughs> um,
0: do you have anything else you want to talk about with El Clasico? No, we can't. Okay. Um, lastly, on a beautiful Saturday, uh, what was it like? Fifty degrees out, which is oh, splendid over Super here in the warm northwest, for especially when it's raining all the time. um Beautiful sunny skies. The Sounders took on LAFC. Uh, absolutely beautiful game, man. I loved every second of it. I just appreciated it. It was a zero-zero draw, and it was the most entertaining zero-zero draw
1: I've seen in a long time. Yeah, just just saying that for MLS—that's the rare part, especially
0: for MLS, right? And. You wouldn't be able to tell this was an MLS game if yeah. you if you took the the jerseys and the logos away. Like the the quality on the field all around, both sides of the ball, incredible, man. I feel like we watched a game of the
1: class of the league.
0: Yeah, the elite of the MLS.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I was a little bit worried. So now Sanders... we have to play St. Louis, and we can see what's <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um. So Saunders again. Uh, Heber is out and we and our offense looked a bit it didn't look dead this time though like it looked like we still had stuff that no, came we were threatening at times yeah. for sure we we just need that little bit of quality like i hate to say that cliche but we just need that little bit of extra quality sometimes yeah yeah you know somebody i thought was shining dennis Buwanga.
0: i'd previously watched a game against new england and he really stood out to me he's been on a tear his first two games and he didn't let up in this one. Luckily, he didn't score or assist or anything, but he came damn close a couple times. And even early on in the first couple minutes, he was doing step overs, cutting, and just finding his way to space. And it was scary. But I do think the, the difference for me was, and this is going to sound weird coming from me, but I think it was the quality in the midfields. I just think LAFC's midfield is top of the line like yeah i think they are a cut above anything else in mls that i've seen and i haven't seen much yet this season i haven't watched st louis and all the other teams that are winning right now but from what i've seen lafc's midfield is nuts and i love the sounders midfield right now yeah we've talked we talked about that last week and i've you know i always talk about jao paulo and his influence but that lafc midfield the way they can move the ball, it's yeah. scary. And well,
1: I- it's not only really the way they can move the ball, but it's the way they can press too. Like mm-hmm. like our our squad, I think we've clearly found the way they improve is pass and move, pass and move. But the way we play defense is by clogging it up and using our our wing backs and our wingers to, to press from the outside. Like it's a meat grinder, but it's like a it's like a wolf pack effect. Meanwhile, LAFC's guys, they can either hunt you down like a like a pack, or they can just. They will pressure you by themselves. Like they have very, very fit guys as well as being super, super technical on the ball. Sanchez, their D mid. Yeah, he stood it, out yeah, San- a lot to me. Well, what's crazy is Sanchez was like a, a mid-ass player for a sporting KC and shit. <laughs> really? Like, no, he spent like half his career in MLS. Huh. And he was whatever. But that game versus us, he was incredible. He incredible, right? Yeah. Like what? Like, yo, where did they get this such quality? They have quality everywhere, man.
0: Yeah. Like, I so it's kind of interesting because when I was watching the New England game on Apple TV shout out to them sponsors please Timothy Tillman stood out like a ton to me both offensively project. and defensively he was just everywhere on the field watching this game live I'm looking at I'm looking at the lineup thing right now, and he had a, an incredible match rating and stuff. He didn't stand out to me as much. Yeah. I'm sure he did all the work and everything, and he you know he did his thing. Yeah. But Sanchez was the guy that really stood out to me. Yeah. It just felt like this impenetrable like line
1: that we just could not cross. I was really amazed by LAFC's, um, by well, not only was their back line like super effective, but their forwards, the chances that they had, especially near the end of the game. Um, who was their young forward? Was it Opoku? David Apolo. Yeah, or he's he's on the right, man. And the way he like he the way he would they he would interchange with Carlos Villa, and we mm-hmm. just find silly so find him crashing, crashing it on goal. And he's fast, and you know he's he's short, but he's clearly got a little bit of strength, and he's got a nice low center of gravity, so he can hold guys off. Man, that LaFC that LFC attack is fucking scary, man. And they tore us apart a couple times. I think the big thing, the big difference is, look, I I love Nico Ladero, um, but. If we're not going to have a Heber, it always, always comes back to Nico. Oh, no, well, you know what I'm saying, and he had a good <laughs> yeah. game, in my opinion. I think actually, you want to think know who actually a had a had a poor game, in my opinion. I, I think you already know, but Albert Rusnak was. Mm. I think everybody stepped up this game, like every single sounder that was Albert on the pitch Rusnak and started, almost scored. They stepped up. Albert Rusnak had his moments where yes, he almost scored, and he had you know great. Distribution and control of the game. Again, he's Artiago or another controlling midfielder. But the thing is, he was really like lackadaisical, and he made mistakes at the worst possible time. He'd have a weak pass, he'd miss a tackle. You know what I'm saying? He he'd pass into empty space or pass to a. It either be a hospital ball or he ended up passing directly to an LAFC player, or he'd miss. He'd just barely miss the hit on the assist. Or he misses, you know, and I'm not going to begrudge him for missing a shot. And again, I think he's doing a great job being an attacking midfielder that's playing as a deeper, deep line uh, midfielder. But he was, in my opinion, he was the main reason a lot of us, like a lot of the most important moments didn't come off for us. And that was what I was going to say too, is like he, he's just, he's not a true eight.
0: He's not a true box to box. Yeah. So.
1: Oh, I mean, I think he's done a good job, but yeah. Um, I, I think I think if Nico has his last season, then, um, you know, next season we might be able to see Albert Rosnack. We might see him move to the center attacking midfielder. Um, but, I, man. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm curious to see, like, it feels like in a season so condensed as MLS is now with all the different competitions where injuries are bound to happen
1: right? with, with with 30 man rosters if that so you know if, if
0: morris is missing some time five or, or,
1: competitions at a time like, or ladero's is, missing some time it'd be nice to see him play either out wide or yeah. in that central position yeah. but we'll see um, um another thing real quick uh fuck that ref man I, again <laughs> is my went to the world cup i don't know how he's a dickhead he oh it be was superstar. him
0: i didn't even realize
1: he wants to be a fucking superstar i hate that dude
0: uh, sh- shout I out feel Jackson like this Reagan. is a theme with every MLS game I've seen and like I look at the reactions on Twitter or M- any MLS game that we talk about seems like a pretty common theme of the refs are yeah. all
1: garbage yeah unfortunately this is the thing about Sanders fandom that I was trying to warn you about Like, you're it's always going to feel like the refs are trying to fuck us because half the time they actually do mm-hmm. anyways uh, Jackson Reagan I'm really sad he went out I think the game changed once he went out because we, we were getting a good uh, hold on the game but I just want to say, like, dang. Last season, I really didn't understand why he, st- why he started over Sissoko or why he subbed on over Sissoko. But this season, I mean, now he's starting over Arriaga. So, New Who's having, Dang near, looks like he's stepped up another level. He just looks assured and calm. He looks, like one of those, looks really good. One of the best yeah. play- he's one of the best players on the ball right now, which is crazy to say. Jamar, one of their most dynamic passers now. Like what do these guys do over the offseason, you know? They got some rest. I'm saying, right? So and then and then Alex Roldon doing what I always wanted to do him to do, which is foul somebody with, with a hard nosed tackle. He kicked the shit out of somebody and I loved it. Um he it was a big deal, whatever yellow card. But I don't know why, but I'm still like feeling a lot of optimism for this team. We just need to get Haber back or we just need to buy someone who plays like him in the summer. Let me be the, the devil on the shoulder then t- for this like
0: mm-hmm. positive vibes you got going here. I really like the point you brought up when you were saying when you consider the fact this is LA, LAFC played a game four days ago or this is a... This is
1: LAFC's fourth. So, so Seattle Sounders, that was LAFC's fourth game in 10 days and we were at home. And And we can score on them. And it was a and it was a very like dead even game, I think, both ways. Like
0: it's not like we were dominated, but you know, so a little a little cause for concern. That is true. I I just think it's something to think about, but overall, still a positive performance. I think we look good. LAFC look good. It's gonna be fun to see them a couple more times this season.
1: Absolutely. And with that, folks, this has been episode sixty of the Robota Boys Podcast. This has been your boy Vince Scully. And your boy Nick Solo. And we're out of here.